say amen. Amen. What a gift to us and to God. Thank you. It is the first uh, Sunday in Advent. And uh, I'm preaching from lectionary texts. Those are texts that are set aside uh, by a group of theologians and church folks from Episcopal, Lutheran, Presbyterian, Methodist. Those texts circle every three years. And um, in theory, we would all be preaching on the same text or the same topic uh, in our various churches. The lectionary was meant to unify uh, churches. Uh, Advent's a good time to preach lectionary because it throws you into texts that you would normally stay away from like the plague. This is one of those. It's in Matthew chapter 24. But about that day and hour, no one knows. Neither the angels of heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. For as the days of Noah were, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in those days before the flood they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day Noah entered the ark, and they knew nothing until the flood came and swept them all away. So too will be the coming of the Son of Man. Then two will be in the field, one will be taken and one will be left. Two women will be grinding meal together, one will be taken and one will be left. Keep awake, therefore. For you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. But understand this. If the owner of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not have let his house be broken into. Therefore, you also must be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an unexpected Hour. The word of the Lord. Do you really mean that? Sometimes you're like sheep. You just do things. The word of the Lord. No, I mean, seriously, are you grateful for that text? Can you imagine getting a Christmas card? And you open it up and it says, then two will be in the field, one will be taken, one will be left. Merry Christmas. (laughs) P.S. I hope you're not the one who gets left. (laughs) This is a bizarre piece of scripture. And I can just hear it now. If I sent, or Catherine and I sent cards out like that, I can hear some of the women in the church. Did you get that strange Christmas card from the Eastons? Well, that's okay. They won't be here long. He's just the interim. (laughs) 
See, the truth is, the church is not celebrating Christmas yet. We're in Advent. The world's already jumped to Christmas. They did it on Halloween. And they do it for a wide variety of reasons. Winter solstice, holidays, um, some for Christmas, the birth of Jesus, some for end of the year push, you know, all of that. But the church, the church is doing a bizarre season of the year called Advent. Advent's not about the first coming of Jesus. It's not even about Christmas. Advent is about the second coming of Jesus. Advent doesn't look back and retell the story and regurgitate all the details and the facts and the Mary and the Joseph and the baby and the manger. We all know the story. Advent understands that story, but Advent is looking into the future, not into the past. And Advent pushes you to ask the question, what is God going to do next? Not who came, but who is coming. Not how many wise men were there, but how many wise people will there be? Advent's all about the future. And the church has become confused about this because we get sucked into the vortex of Christmas and retelling the story and the traditions and the nostalgia. And I understand all that and I'm, I'm a part of all that. But I'm not. One of the most powerful Advents I've ever experienced was in Monk's Quarter, South Carolina, and at 7 a.m. on Christmas Eve morning, a group of men who were in a Bible study with me would always go to Monk's Corner to be with the monks at the 7 a.m. Christmas Eve uh, service, Mass. And as you walked into the chapel, there was a large bucket of dirt with a dead branch stuck in the middle of it, a big dead branch. That was their decorations for Advent. And so on my first visit, I asked one of the monks, I said, um, you know, uh, Charlie, I couldn't help but notice the dead log in the middle of the bucket of dirt. Oh, yeah, that that's uh, the stump of Jesse. Out of the stump of Jesse will come a shoot. The Messiah. Oh, yeah, I knew that. During Advent, we may be looking at dead things that will come back to life in God. We aren't so much looking historically or even nostalgically at our Christmas season. We're looking we're facing Syria. Not a place of war, but a place of murder. Syria. In our world, only a plane flight from here. 
you would see a totally, totally different world. Or we're facing the Middle East and all of the confusion in the Middle East. Or we're facing someone in your family who is addicted to alcohol and is locked down. And there is no earthly way for them to get out of it. Oh, Advent is serious, serious business. Because it looks into the future and asks the theological question, what is God doing next? What is God going to do in the world? And whatever it is, we can count on it being bizarre. Advent is about hope. And Fred Craddock writes, hope is always vulnerable, struggling against the odds, trying to catch its breath in the modest room surrounded by noisy economic and political power. In this world today, Christians light a candle and we wait. We hope. For no one knows what day your Lord is coming. No one knows what God is doing in this world. Read the Bible and you'll see it. Who do you think ever would have thought creation was going to happen? Nobody saw that coming. Well, nobody was here yet. Or who saw an infant being born to Abraham and Sarah who were 90 and 100 years old up in age and way past the years of having children. And yet God comes and brings the promise of a new nation in a child to a couple who are absolutely too old to have a baby. This is the God we worship. A God who breaks in upon us in bizarre ways. Who would have ever predicted the exodus of common slaves from the powerful Egyptian empire? You can't write that history. You would have never thought that the Pharaoh would let all the slave labor go from the Egyptian Empire. That's not supposed to happen. This is the God we worship in Advent, a God who breaks in upon the impossible. What's the impossible in your life right now? I bet you could name it. It's impossible, Steve. There's no earthly way. God breaks in upon us. Moses had no idea the Red Sea would open. No idea. Wave this stick, see what will happen. you got to be kidding me. No, just wave it. Nobody sees the activity of God in the world. Nobody saw Jesus coming. He was the wrong guy. Look, the Jews were looking for a Messiah. That means they were looking for David. That means they were looking for a military leader on a white stallion who had an army who would bring Israel to the top of the world and the whole world would be under one government, Israel. That's who they were looking for. 
That's why when they said, oh, no, 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 the Messiah was born of a young virgin in this little town of Bethlehem here. He's from Podunk, Nazareth. His dad's a stonemason. Um, and he touches lepers. And the Jewish people said, no. Nah. He's not it. You see, we can't or won't see what God is doing in this world. We see Fox News. We see CNN. We see everything that's broken. We see the impossible. We see doors closed, red seas shut. We see the absolute impossibility of anything earthly happening. And it's at that very point that you may want to wake up in Advent to a God, to my knowledge in reading the Bible, has never done anything by the book. Not one thing has God done by the book. Mary, you're going to have a son. I'm not married. Small detail, we'll take care of that. I don't know. Sometimes I think, and I mean this with all due respect, sometimes I think God is ADD. There's a kind of, don't you know what the human rules are? Don't you know what the standards are? Why don't you know where the barriers and the boundaries are? And God, I think, answers by saying, no. I don't know any of that. My marriage is failing, and there's no way to get out. Of, I mean, there's no way for us to fix it. I've prayed, and it's going to be lost. I don't know. Is it? Does that have to be? Or is there a God who, who acts outside the boundaries, who does the bizarre, who is not confined to human principles, theories, calendars, or time? See, this is where our hope is. We can stare at chaos or a great flood or old age or a closed sea or a wilderness or a virgin or a sealed tomb. There's one. Nobody saw that coming. When you're dead, you're dead, right? Wrong. God doesn't play by the book. And therein lies our hope. Craddock writes, hope seems to need only one calorie a day to survive. And we find our calorie in God. Pastor and theologian Dietrich Bonhoeffer, uh, you know about him, while imprisoned by the Nazis, he wrote a letter before Christmas in 1943 in which he reflected with these words, life in a prison cell reminds me a great deal of Advent. <laughs> One waits and hopes and putters around, but in the end what we do is of little consequence. The door is shut and it can only be opened from the outside. This is Advent hope. There's no human effort that's going to open the door from the inside.
There's no government. There's no leader. There's not any amount of money that will open history from the inside. It will be opened from the outside, from God's activity in the world. While we putter around in Bonhoeffer's language, something else is going on beyond our comprehension, beyond our limitations. And Advent says we're not left to our mere human endeavors. History is not moving to perfection. We all see that. But nor is it moving to utter failure either. It is moving towards God. Or should we say, God is moving towards it. That's Advent. I once heard Julia Sweeney, a writer and and actress on the TED Radio Hour on NPR. Maybe you heard her years ago. She was raised a Catholic, but now considers herself to be an atheist. And one day it just suddenly hit her that she didn't believe anymore. She ran out of belief. It happens. And she said this, just the whole idea that there's a God who cares whether people believe in him or not, that that's one of the many things I found shocking in reading the Bible. First of all, how insecure God is. He needs everybody to say, you're number one. You're the number one God above all the other gods. It's the most insecure character, she said. I think she gives voice to a lot of people. People who have become skeptical of God's providence and care in this world, they look around, they see the news, and they say, where is God? It happened in the Holocaust. Elie Wiesel. The great theologian said, God cannot be on this earth if this is happening to us. It's easy to see why people would lose hope in this God. They pray daily and there's no answers. God is silent. The fog becomes too thick. The evidence is too thin. And it would be all too easy to just let go of God and go do something else. And many people have. They lose faith. I don't think the church is shrinking in numbers across the United States because people are particularly upset with the church, although we give them plenty of reason to be. I think people are moving away from the church because of their disappointment with God. Where is this God? And what is this God doing? And Christians light a candle. And we hope. We wait. We trust. We're either fools Oh, we are people of great faith. Karl Barth says we live between the times. We live between the time of creation and the time of new creation, heaven and earth. And in that place, we wait with a promise that Christ will be victorious over sin and death in the end. Maybe not today, but in the end. We live with the expectation that something else is going to happen. 
We just don't know when, and we don't really even know what. We just know who. And that is enough for us. So I come into the monk's chapel, 7 a.m. Christmas Eve day. And there in the front of the church is not garlands and candles and trees, but a dead limb in the middle of a bucket of dirt. The stump of Jesse. And out of that dead thing will come life. The activity and the work of God. I believe that. I think you are here because you believe that too. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we begin this weird season of Advent. Amen.